This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. I started a series last week called, Do You Hear What I Hear? And in the day and age when voices are all over the place and circumstances are all over the place and confusion reigns, I honestly believe that one of the most important things that we can do as believers is to know the voice of God, to know the plan and purpose of God for our lives without hesitation in any way. How many know that you can hear God's voice? Amen? Well, two of the biggest questions that I've ever had in my life as a pastor is simply this. How do I know the will of God and how do I hear him? Right? How many would relate to that? Right? And so we talked last week about four simple keys to hearing the voice of God. We talked about stopping. Stop what you're doing. Spend time with God. Literally turn it all off and just spend time with God. Look for the vision of God in your life. Listen for what he's saying and write it down. And when we stop, look, listen, and write, God will speak to us and confirm things that are a very powerful way. But when we talked about writing last week, we talked about the importance of of allowing the bubbling forth of the Holy Spirit in our lives to bring forth those things that God is speaking to us. I said, write it all down. But then what we've got to do is we have to test it. So what we're going to talk about this morning is five different keys or five different ways that we can test the Word of God, the voice of God, or the leadings of God in our life. How many are excited about that? Right. Okay. You guys ready? Right. You're like half asleep this morning. Are you ready? Okay, good. All right. So, number one, are you ready for this? Thank you, James. Number one, what is it? The Bible. We have something the Old Testament believers do not have. The entire canon of Scripture. We have the whole thing. We have it all. We don't just have half of it. We don't just have the Torah. We have the whole thing. We have the old, the new, and everything. So it's good. It's healthy. Priscilla Shire, who, for those who watch the War Room movie, I love Priscilla Shire. She's awesome. She's one of the best women speakers out there in the world today. She is awesome. Um, But she played the lead role in War Room and did awesome. But she has a quote. I wanted to say it this morning. It says this, everything God says to us will always fall within the boundaries of Scripture. God won't contradict or manipulate anything that the Bible already has said. Everything God says will always fall within the boundaries of Scripture. Everything God says will always fall within the boundaries of Scripture. I have a question for you this morning. When you're driving uh, on a two-lane road and you have a solid line in the middle, what does it tell you? Don't cross it. If you have a dotted line, what does it tell you? It's safe to pass. But you run a risk when you go out because there's what? Oncoming traffic. How many know that sometimes people think that if they speed up and go at a speed that is sometimes out of control just to get ahead of somebody else, that that's better for them? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to treat the Word of God like a solid, solid line. And don't think that you can just go out and around the plans and purposes of God. Don't think you can come out into that other lane because the reality is, is when you get out into the other lane, the enemy's voice is there speaking to you about what not to do or how to do it differently. So treat the Word of God like a solid line. Stay within the boundaries of that line. And if you do, you'll be safe and protected. Amen to that one? That's good. If you see the Bible as a dotted line, the only result is compromise. 
But how many know that when you compromise what is being said, then you no longer hear that very clearly? How many know that when you've said to somebody the same thing over and over and over again and they still don't listen to you, how does it make you feel? It's frustrating. And what happens is, whether this is good or not, I'm not having an opinion on whether this is good or not, but what it does is it creates a divide or a disconnect in your relationship. One person pulls away because you're frustrated. One person disconnects because you feel like you're being disrespected. How many have ever been there? Okay, all three of you guys. Do we have to stand up and do the hokey pokey this morning? How many have ever had that before? Amen? Okay. God will never contradict his word. I've had people come to me and say, you know, I'm just not happy in my marriage and I feel like I need, I feel like I need to get a divorce and God needs to just let it go. And I sit there going, do you have biblical grounds to get divorced? Well, no. I'm just not happy. And I go, here's the problem is you've just gone outside the dotted lines and now you're in the enemy's territory. So all of the voices that are coming at you are voices that are going to tell you something that is completely outside of the boundaries and the plan and the will of God. Now, for those that have gone through it, I have news for you. We are all standing here and sitting here today, this morning, myself included, as people who have crossed the dotted lines in our lives and God supernaturally redeemed us back to the right side. Amen? There's a lot of do-overs that I wish I could do over. How many say amen to that one? Right. But here's what I want you to know this morning. God's voice is never contradicted by his word. God's direction is never uh, contradicted by his word. But what he wants to do is he wants to teach us and train us how to live in the rhema of God for our lives. For those that have never been around church, rhema is a Greek word that talks about the revealed word of God for our lives. For those of you that most of you probably don't have one of these because this is so archaic, I'm even surprised they sell them in a bookstore anymore because most of us have our Bible apps on our smartphones. You know what I'm saying, right? But the logos of God is the written word of God. It is this. But how many know that you could read your 15 chapters a day, get to the end of it, and not have a rhema, not have a revealed word of God for your situation? But what God wants to teach you to do is to marinate in this long enough so that you get a rhema about your life. The problem is, is most of us don't want to wait long enough, right? It's like, come on, God, I need it now. I need it yesterday. I I just need you to speak to me about the situation. The best things in life are those that you have to wait for. Right? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. But the Bible is the final authority on all things. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says this, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is crossing the dotted lines in our lives. That's Cameron's paraphrase. Uh, It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. The one thing, as I've been thinking about this and processing through it, I realized not only is God's word itself a boundary line for us, but so is his character and his attributes. So how many know that when you know somebody, you know what not to do because you know that if you do this thing, knowing that person, it'll hurt them? Right? And so what God wants to do is teach you the attributes of the character of God so that you understand how he operates. So what are the boundary lines in in the character and the attributes of God this morning? Well, it's God is holy. Right? He's pure. 
He's righteous. He's just. He is truth. He is loving. He is gracious. He is merciful. He is kind. He is good. He's compassionate. He's faithful. He's trustworthy. That's pretty good, healthy boundaries. Right? That's awesome. The Bible is our measuring stick. It is the most important testing ground for any word of the Lord or any voice of, uh, of God situation over your life. It is the number one test that you have to take in order to understand, is this of God? So what happens if you are feeling or sensing something from God and you don't necessarily have biblical backing up? Maybe there's no direct verse that says, you know, thou shalt do this. Then what do you look for? Well, thank you for asking. What you do is you look for the second thing, but I'm just going to say the first test question that you want to ask yourself is, does it agree with the Bible? The second thing is this. Do you have his peace? Do you have his peace? My favorite, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, something I've held on to for many years, is Colossians 3.15. In the NLT, it says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. The Amplified, the classic edition of the Amplified, says this. I used to quote this left, right, and center. I love it. It's one of my favorite verses. And it says this. Let the peace, soul harmony, which comes from Christ, rule or act as an umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state. I'm going to read it again because it's so good. And let the peace, the soul harmony which comes from Christ, rule, act as an umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality every question, all questions, every single thing that comes that arises in your minds, that peaceful state. Peace is the result of trust. Inner peace comes from an unwavering trust in Jesus. And Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word. Can I give you an easy test when it comes to this issue? Um, Or an easy, I guess I'd say, set of advice. This is my advice for you. If you're making a decision, this is what I want you to think. Don't ever make a decision when your heart is unsettled. Don't ever do it. I've seen some of the most profound mistakes in people's lives made in a time when there's so much going on in their life and they don't have the ability to hear clearly what God is saying. Where they've got 59 different situations. They're in the midst of moving. They're in the midst of getting a new job. They're in the midst of this. They're in the midst of that. All this stuff is compounding and then they want to make a life choice in the midst of all of that. I go, that's crazy. Don't do it. Don't make a big decision when your heart is unsettled. Why? Because peace is always an internal confirmation. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. He's not the author of confusion, but of peace. Doesn't that give context to what's going on in our world today? God's not the author of confusion. So if you're confused about who you are, God's not the author of it. Thank you, Cameron. That was a good point. Yeah, that was well said. Thanks. I thought of that myself. Yeah, I know. That wasn't too bad either. That was one of your better ones this week. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I try. I try. That's good. For God is not the author of confusion. Satan wants to drive you to compulsively make decisions. God always drives you to make compassionate decisions. And there's a huge difference. 
okay? God never drives us. He guides us. Okay? He never drives you. I've seen people that feel pressure to make a decision. Listen, if you're feeling pressure to make a decision, it's not of God right away, guaranteed. Not of God. Says, well, I've got to do this. Blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sit down. It's okay. Listen, why do you have to make that decision so quickly? Well, you don't understand my circumstance. You don't understand what's going on. God does. Well, what happens if I miss it? It's okay. He'll find you. Right? He'll find you. God never drives us to something. He guides us as a tender shepherd that loves and believes in the purpose of God that's locked up within our hearts. Amen? John 10, 27 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. His sheep hear him. It's a promise. Sheep that follow have peace. Right? And he goes on in John chapter 14. He says, Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your, not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. He just didn't give you peace. He gave you his peace. And it goes on in one other verse in the Bible. It says, Peace that passes all understanding. Peace that passes all understanding. How many want that? How many, if you could ask for one thing this Christmas season, is you just want peace. I'm sick and tired of the turmoil. I'm sick and tired of the fight. I'm sick and tired of the battle. I'm sick and tired of trying to figure things out. I'm sick and tired of not having answers yet desperately wanting them. How many want peace this Christmas? I have news for you this morning. God knows your situation. He knows your circumstance. He knows your heart. He knows everything about you. He knows your bottom line in your bank account. He knows what's not in your bank account. He knows where your sons or daughters are right now. He knows where your spouse is right now. He knows where your friends are right now. He knows what they're going through. He knows everything. And yet he could still, in the midst of a storm, be fast asleep on the boat in the Sea of Galilee. And what God wants to teach you this morning is how to be fast asleep on a boat being tossed to and fro by the very circumstances that can destroy you. And you're sound asleep. God changed the circumstances. Wrong prayer. God changed my heart. Right prayer. God, teach me to trust you. Right prayer. Because trust equals peace. Peace equals trust. See, you don't know what I'm going through. Oh, I have an inkling. And the only response is, that's okay. You don't know what Jesus went through. Abandoned by the very people that were supposed to be there for him. Rejected for the first time in all of history by his own father. Yet while he's on that cross, he looked at him and says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was at peace. He's at peace. How many want that? Listen, the peace of God, I'm feeling it even right now. Whew. The peace of God is a massive test for you in getting confirmation of what the voice of God is saying to you. 
Do I sense, this is the next test question, do I sense God's peace about it? I remember many years ago, this is not to get corny, but every once in a while I like to tell stories of my own life, so here we go. Um, Went through a real bout of depression, had suicidal tendencies, was struggling in my life, um, had no purpose, didn't know which way was up, felt incredibly disillusioned with God in church at the time, felt that no one could understand or relate to me. Have you ever felt that way? Okay. Um, God can, so that's good. Even if he doesn't bring anyone else that can relate to you, God can, so it's all good. But in the midst of all of that, I had a supernatural experience with God. And one of the first things that God did with me was prior to this experience with God, if I, can I just be really transparent this morning? Prior to that experience with God, everything in my life kept thinking to myself, if I just found a girl, then that would solve all my problems. If I just had a girlfriend, someone that loved me, someone that cared for me, someone that saw the potential in my life, then I would be okay. And everything would turn around. How many know that true peace doesn't come in a circumstantial change or a person being in your life? True peace only comes from Jesus. Okay. So one of the first things that God did in my life is he literally, uh, he asked me, not that we had a ceremony or anything, but he literally asked me, take the desire for a future spouse and lay it at the cross. Lay it at the foot of the cross. And I want to teach you how to have peace no matter what. And I'll tell you, one of the first most incredibly huge moments for my life was when I, I remember the night. It was a, a night at King Street Pentecostal Church, a prayer night. And I remember literally walking down to the front. No one had any clue what I was doing. It was a prayer night. Anyone, people were all over the place. But I literally walked down to the front. I walked up on stage. And if you remember, Mom, King Street had the huge giant cross in behind the baptismal tank. And I literally walked up. I wrote a little piece of paper. And I just put wife. And I went up and I put it in the foot of the baptismal tank. I walked back away where the, the bottom of the cross was. And I walked back away and I've left it. I don't even know what they did with it. Could go down the annals of, uh, of King Street history of, of, what, of what happened. But you know what? For me, God dealt with my heart. And the one thing I've come away from understanding the peace of God is that peace is never about getting what you want. Peace is about having Jesus. And I knew from the moment that I laid that down, the clarity of the voice of God in my life got so ridiculously clear because I let go of the thing that had my heart. If you've got something that has your heart, it has captured your heart's attention, then it's going to be very hard for God to capture your heart as well. Because you have divided loyalties towards peace and something. Jesus is the answer. Do you believe that this morning? Okay, third thing, confirmation. How many have ever looked for confirmation? It's a great test. Matthew 18, verses 16 says, By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact, or another word, another version says, every word will be established. Uh, Priscilla Shire actually calls it the mercy of confirmation. I love that phrase. It's, it's awesome. But confirmation is never a primary test. The word of God is always the primary test. But God does use circumstances. He does use timing. He does use open doors. He does use closed doors. And honestly, I can say to you this morning, I dare you, double dog dare you, to get in God's face and say, Lord, I would like you to confirm it two or three times. He doesn't mind it, trust me. We've had this conversation, him and I, before. He doesn't mind when we can be bold and say, Lord... I think this is of you. I'm, get, I'm feeling peace about it. It lines up with the word of God. But Lord, if you can just give me two or three confirmations. Are we good? 
The problem is we start adding zeros to the end of the two and three and what we want from him. So it turns into 20 to 30, 200 to 300, 2,000 to 3,000. When in essence, God wants to teach us how to have true trust and peace in the two or three confirmations that he brings us. Right? That was good. Thank you. All right. I love this quote. It says, if God shuts a door, stop banging on it. Just let that settle in for a second. Whoa, that was a deep thought right there. If God shuts a door, stop banging on it. Trust that whatever is behind is not meant for you. Okay? Revelation 3, 7, and 8 says, Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. I know all the things you do and have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you have obeyed my word and did not deny me. You obeyed my word and did not deny me. I'm one of those guys where I don't like to just read a little phrase and get all excited about it, but I actually want to find out what does it mean? What does this stuff mean? And I don't know if you've ever done a word study on the key of David, but it's very cool. It references back to Isaiah 22, verse 22, and it talks about the government of God being upon your shoulder, the key of David representative of the government or walking in authority or what re- one reference this says in Psalms that actually says walking under authority. How many know that the government of God comes into your life to bring change and it challenges you to align your life and your heart and your desires to his will? And how many know that some of us take that and go, oh, that's good, I'm gonna, I see the white line, I'm going to stay in my lane. Some of us here, we go, no, I think that looks like a dotted line. Yeah, I think that looks like a dotted line. I'm going to go out. And then we get confused. The key of David, the key to your heart, the key to confirmation is are you submitted to the will and to the word of God? That's the key. If you've handed over the key of David to Jesus and you allow him to open up your heart with that key, then guess what? You will never miss it. I can prophesy it. I can declare it without any hesitation. You will never miss the plan and purpose of God if you're submitted to the will and to the word of God. Ever. So that's pretty bold. That, huh? Yeah, I know. It is bold. But that's how much I believe it. I have seen my life choices when I was not submitted. And just so you know, they weren't good. Okay? In case there's any confusion. And I've seen my life when they were submitted. And I tell you, it's good. I look at my life and it just feels like a fairy tale. Honestly, every day it feels like a fairy tale. Married to the most incredible woman on the planet. I have five awesome kids doing what I love to do and getting paid for it. That's awesome. Jeepers. I have the most amazing life. But it wasn't without cost. And it wasn't without sacrifice. I remember when Sandra and I first met, God started speaking to both of us about planting a church one day. And we thought to ourselves, well, what does that look like? Remember how we were talking about two or three witnesses? And then you can add zeros. How many? We had probably 20 to 30 confirmations from every single guest speaker that ever came to the church would point us out in the middle of the service and say, I see you being shot out of this place like an arrow being shot to plant your own house. And we're sitting there going, yeah, that was the 17th guy that said that in the last, you know. And then sometimes you hear that and you go, if I hear that one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. God, if you prophesy that over me one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. How many have ever been there? Come on. 
God is saying it to you because he knows how much the enemy is saying the opposite. So he's going to continue to declare over you your identity in him while the enemy rips it away. So if he's got to do one for, or seven for every one of the enemy, then you've got a lot of confirmations coming. Okay? He wants to give you the open doors. I remember when we came here, um, hearing the voice of God sometimes can be a tricky thing because I remember when we came here, we had a couple of us and uh, we were looking for a place to start the church and we didn't necessarily know where to go, but we always had a drawing or a leaning towards the Cineplex. Didn't really know why other than the fact that I thought it'd be really cool to be able to have really nice chairs. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? With a cup holder. Hallelujah. It's awesome. And so... We prayed, and we, just, we, we literally just put it out there about a year ahead. We had never heard a thing. We had a prayer meeting one Saturday night. We got a phone call, or we got an email on a Monday morning from the head office of the Cineplex, who we don't even know had never met before in our lives, basically saying, hey, we're willing to have you guys, and this is what we're willing to do. They went above and beyond what anyone has ever done. We were blown away. We were actually given a cost that was about one-fifth of the cost, according to their website, which was awesome problem is, is we didn't have anyone in the church. And we have to sign a lease for a year with no money. And we're going, um, okay, well, how do we do this? Okay, well, you know, I could send our kids down the street and they could just beg and plead, which we could probably get some money out of that. So that could work. But we literally said, God, is this an open door? So everything aligns up with, with what God's doing in your life. God, did you call us to start a church? Yes. God, did you call us to Kingston? Yes. God, did you open up the door to the Cineplex? Yes. God, was this confirmation of the open door to the Cineplex? Yes. Therefore, using my reason and deduction, I only came to one conclusion. This must be God. Must be God. And so we signed a lease with no money. Showed up to the first service and 238 people showed up to the church. But then it gets better. Two weeks before the beginning of the church, God spoke to Sandra and I independently of one another and said, the first offering is not yours. Tithe it. And we went, we just signed a lease. (laughs) What are you doing? Largest offering we ever had in the first year was the first service. And God said, give it away. So we prayed and said, Lord, who do you want us to give it to? We ended up being, it was LL Ministries up in Westport. And little did we know that they had a need, they had a a thing that was going on, a renovation project that they needed help with. And our offering almost came to the penny of what they needed to complete their project. That's God. Here's some simple mathematics for those that like math. Are you ready? Physics, right? Here we go. Wrong timing and open door equals wrong. Right timing and closed door equals wrong. Right timing and right open door equals right. Don't push forward out of frustration what God is hindering or you're only working against him. Best thing you can do is just get something settled in your heart and take steps towards what you believe God is doing in your life. 
because it's much easier for God to close a door that you're walking towards than to actually get to move you from the parked car position. How many know that you cannot move a parked car? And so, so many of us are sitting, you know, in our prayer closet and praying and saying, Lord, just speak to me. Write on a wall. Give me a fleece. You know, anything else that you can do. And God has already spoken to you for 28,000 years and has already confirmed it through every prophet that ever came into the church. And you're still sitting there going, well, I don't know what to do. God cannot move a parked car. At least stick it into neutral and help him to push it. Something, right? You getting this? The only way you'll ever know that circumstantial confirmation is true is when you step out and find out. You have to step out to find out. He said, but that's not how I work. I like to get God to tell me exactly what I'm supposed to do and the entire picture of it before I... No, God always gets you to step once before he shows you the next step. And then you step to the second place and then he shows you the next one. Very rarely will God ever give you a full picture of what your future is like. One of the hardest times that I actually have as a pastor is sitting down with people and going, so what do you think? What do you think about, you know, this or that? I'm sitting there going, that's awesome. That's great. No, no, no. Tell me what you think. Whatever you think God thinks is awesome. Because if I say something, then right away you've automatically gone down there. Now you've put the ownership on me. So if something goes wrong, it's now my fault. So I won't do it. Sometimes it annoys people. It's like, why don't you just tell me what you think? No, I'm not doing it. Can we write a clause that says, you'll never ever take me out of your will and never speak bad about me on Facebook ever again if, you, if, if this works out, right? Okay, we're good. We're good. We're good. That's all, all right. The test question is simply this. Does it align with God's plan for my life? Confirmation, circumstances, open doors, closed doors. Fourth one is wisdom. How many believe that they have it? It's good. How many... Not humble people do we have? No, I'm just joking. No, I'm just <laughs> Proverbs 3.13, it says this. The man who knows right from wrong and has good judgment and common sense is happier than the man who is immensely rich. For such wisdom is far more valuable than precious jewels. Nothing else compares with it. Going along, verse 21 and 22, it says, have two goals. Wisdom, that is knowing and doing right, and common sense. Don't let them slip away, for they will, fi- uh, they will fill you with living energy and bring you honor and respect. One of the things that I have seen in my experience, because we've come from a charismatic experience, we've come from a charismatic church, and I grew up in a Pentecostal church, so pray for us, you know. Um, but the one thing that I've often noticed about charismatics um, is that they, they, they believe that common sense is from the enemy. Do <laughs> so you know what I'm saying? Well, if I just have another intercessory prayer night where we wave flags all night long, then God's going to speak to me. If I just flow down the river, and God's going to speak to me. And if I get in my boat and go down the river this way, then God's going to speak. The rally is, yes, God can speak in any way. But if something doesn't make sense. Bible says if you quit your job, you can't eat. Don't quit your job. Unless you got another one to go to. All right? Now, there's always circumstances and situations where God trumps wisdom with his own wisdom. And it's always to be in perfectly in alignment with the plan and purpose of God for your life. God said, go plant a church in Kingston. Guess what I had to do to come here? 
quit my job. Right, lost my pension. Lost my seniority. Not that I had much, but it was all good. And my, and my huge seven-figure salary from John Howard, it was awesome. I missed that one. But sometimes that happens. And this is uh, for Dr. Binkley in the house. This is for you, my friend. I'm, I'm, I, you didn't ask me to say this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Don't spend more money than you earn. Wow. Wisdom from God. Don't prioritize your family and then take a job that takes you away two weeks out of every month. Don't do it. Say, well, it's a good opportunity to lose your family. Yes. It's, it's not in any other way. I don't know about you, but family first, don't you think? That was a good word. Thank you. So, what do we do when God's voice seems to contradict common sense? Well, thank you for asking. I'm going to answer it. So we have to understand that God operates from a plan. And we have to examine our circumstances in light of the plan of God for our lives. Okay? So whenever the plan of God is in motion for your life, and He is asking you to step in faith and in trust with the peace of God confirming it in your heart towards a plan and a purpose of God that you know is from Him, even though you don't have all the answers, that's when you can throw common sense out the door. And there's people in this place, I don't want to point people out, but Jen, I'm going to point you out. (laughs) I just picked on Sean, I'm going to go to Jen. Jen took a desire that she knew God placed in her heart to help people and gave up a very well-paying job to say, I want to help people. And I want to make a difference in people's lives. And yeah, it doesn't necessarily make sense, but this is the plan and the purpose of God for me. This is my DNA. This is the DNA of heaven that God put in my life, and I'm going to do it. It makes sense because it's God's sense. Okay? So what we need to ask, really, is not whether it's common sense all the time or whether it's God trumping common sense. What we really need to ask is the question, is this in alignment with the plan and purpose of God for my life? Coming to Kingston was. Leaving my job was. Just so you know, we had a massive financial blessing leading up to coming to Kingston. And for the first time in our lives, we had a down payment that we never had a penny for. So we actually got our first house coming to Kingston. God's faithful. I'm telling you right now, there's no way that's physically possible when you're coming from a situation that we had. But God's faithful. James 3.17, so how do, we, how do we test this? The wisdom that comes from God is pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, impartial, and sincere. So, so God shows us a great test here. Is it pure? Is it peace-loving? Is it considerate? Is it submissive? Is it full of mercy? Is it impartial? And is it sincere? One of the, the best books that I've read this year, this calendar year, is a book by Andy Stanley called Ask It. I highly recommend it for every single person, no matter your age. It is an easy read. And this entire book is Andy Stanley's philosophy on life, ministry, family, and everything. And here's the entire conclusion of the book. Now, there's a lot of good information in there, but I am going to give away the... uh, This is spoiler alert for those that just plug your ears if you don't want to hear it. Here's the question that he asks 
about everything he does. Are you ready? In light of your past experiences, your current circumstances, and your future hopes and dreams, is this a wise thing to do? I've seen, we were young adult pastors, and I can honestly say that the number one area, the number one way that somebody derailed their Christian walk with God was when they dated somebody. And I asked them, in light of your past experiences that haven't gone so well, your present circumstances of not being in a great place with God, and your future hopes and dreams of having you know, the Hollywood type, you know, perfect marriage and 750 years married and three kids and a white picket fence and a budgie named Bob. Taking those three things into consideration, is this the wise thing to do? Right? It's a great question to ask. So the, third, the fourth question, the fourth test question in alignment with this idea of wisdom is simply this. Will it make me more like Christ? That's the question to ask. Will it make me more like Christ? What God is saying to me, what I'm filtering through the word of the Lord, the bubbling forth of, of the voice of God in my life, does it make me more like Christ? If it does, go for it. Last and, not, last, and I'll end very quickly here. Godly people. Proverbs eleven fourteen: where, where no counsel is, the people fail or fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. I love the fact that it used the word counsel here, counselors. It didn't just use people. It just didn't say wise people. It used the word counselors, and as many of us know, uh, that word counsel is the same word that's used to designate Jesus himself in Isaiah chapter 9. It's also the very same idea, the same word that's used to describe the Holy Spirit. So it's not just talking about the ability to give counsel. It's the ability to give wise counsel, objectively wise counsel, in the midst of circumstances and not be moved by what you see here or anything, but to be able to speak into the very situation with wisdom, with honor, with respect, but most importantly, with God at the center of everything you do. There is tremendous power in agreement. In my experience, and I'm just going to share from my own experience just very quickly here. In my experience that when God brings people into your lives and they're always saying the same thing, it's because we somehow aren't listening ourselves. Somehow we've missed it. Somehow life is too busy or there's so much stuff going on that we don't have the ability to just stop, look, listen, and write. Okay? So when people are coming into your life and they're all saying the same thing, um, I highly recommend you listen because they're going to save your life. One of the wisest things that Sandra and I have ever done since the time we were very young, both of us, and most especially in the last 15 years of being together, has been we've always surrounded ourselves with very wise, more mature, more godly, been around the block longer than I ever have, type people. And they look at me and they say, have you ever thought of that? I never thought of that. Never looked at it like that. Why? Because they have a different perspective and they're looking at it without the circumstances yelling and screaming at them like we are usually often in the midst of. Okay? God loves you and because of that, he's going to send people into your life. He could use me on a Sunday morning. He could use your connect group leader on a Sunday night or a Tuesday night. He could use a friend in the church. He could use a neighbor. He can use anybody. But look for people that are godly and are wise and have a significantly long track record. Okay? 
Was good? And I'll say this, God is not limited in how he can speak to you. God can speak to you through your kids. We've, had, we've lost count how many times one of our kids have had a dream the night before, and they come down and tell us their dream, and it's like it is absolutely perfect for the church. And that's been as young as Josiah, the first time I remember, was three years of age. Three, had a dream about our church. Perfect answer to exactly what we needed to hear from God about our church. And God showed it to a three-year-old because they have no problem stopping, looking, listening, and writing. They're just, woo, God, you're awesome. It's awesome. Allow people to speak prophetically into your life, to give warnings, to give advice, to give correction, to give direction, to give protection. As I said before, we lost count how many really, really good, healthy, wise people in our lives came to us and said, yes, the church planting idea is of God. Go for it. Because I tell you right now that if we had people around us, and most especially our pastor, Pastor Frank, who said, no, 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 this is not of God, we wouldn't even consider it. We would have just thrown it out. But they looked at us and said, yes, we believe in the plan and purpose of God for your life. So the last test question is this. Do mature believers confirm it? If mature believers are not confirming it, if your pastor is not confirming it, if your parents are not confirming it, if your spouse is not confirming it, it's not to say that it's completely out to lunch, but I would give it the time to get the peace of God on it. And 99.999999% of the time, if everyone in your life is not agreeing with it, it's probably because it's wrong. Just saying. Just saying. Do mature believers confirm? I'm going to end with one verse. Proverbs 16, verse 9, it says this, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. God sees everything. He sees the end from the beginning. We see the now from the now. In other words, circumstances are loud. They have a loud voice in our lives. God sees the end from the beginning. In other words, he has a different vantage point, so trust him. When God is speaking, put the things that God is speaking to you through these five tests and ask those questions. I don't know, can we go back to the, five, the, one, the one slide just before that? So the second last slide, or third last slide. Uh, I think it's like slide 17 or something like that, 16 where all five questions are there. One, one up. There. These are the questions I want you to ask. Does it agree with the Bible? Do I sense God's peace? Does it align with God's plan for my life? Will it make me more like Christ? Do mature believers confirm it? I guarantee you that if those five questions are typed out, yes, take a picture and tweet it, please. Uh, put it on your Instagram accounts. Do whatever you got to do. It's all good. But if you can live by those five principles, I guarantee you, you're going to have a great life. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.